<clears throat> Before we open our Bibles, um, I'm just going to find out a little bit about what you know about the Apostle Peter. What, when I say the Apostle Peter, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Shout it out. What? Flaky. <laughs> Very good. Okay. He denied Christ three times, actually. Anybody else? What do we know about Peter? He went to Rome. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I believe, was crucified there. Yeah. Right. Uh, he was specifically called by Jesus. Yes. And actually first through his brother, Andrew. So, got a couple of slides here that just kind of flip through some of the things that we know about Peter. There is Jesus calling Peter and Andrew. Uh, obviously, he was one of the 12, so he was at the Last Supper. Um, he walked on water. Yeah. How many, how many have done that? Okay, so he's pretty unique in that regard. Denied Jesus three times. Uh, he was a preacher, powerful preacher at Pentecost in Jerusalem. And he had uh, the vision for unclean animals, which eventually led to uh, conversion of Cornelius and Gentiles. Okay, go to the next one. That might be the, the scripture reading. Okay. Um, today we're going to spend some time looking at the denials of Peter on, on crucifixion night, and then we're going to look more closely at Christ's gracious restoration that, of Peter to usefulness in the kingdom of God. It's this restoration which I believe gave Peter the full understanding of Christ's love and grace that he uses in writing a letter to 1 Peter to encourage <clears throat> those suffering people. By the way, uh, this message is... Uh, we, we were rotating uh, preaching on First Peter, and uh, so this, this message actually was part of what the introduction to that message was. So, um, and as you have mentioned, Peter was very involved as an apostle of Jesus. He was at times too involved. <laughs> he got flaky. Uh, he was bold. He didn't hold back uh, with his words or his actions sometimes. And uh, Jesus, of course, I think loved him for this. But Christ also knew that there was a downfall that needed to happen before the true greatness of Peter could come shining through. So let's look at a few verses. Uh, I've got some at the beginning here. We're going to look at the Last Supper uh, in Luke 22, beginning in verse 31. Luke 22, beginning in verse 31. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. Peter declares that he will always stand for Christ. And Jesus predicts that even that very night, Peter was going to deny him three times. In the passage, now this, uh, there was a passage in John where we indeed see that Peter was ready to fight. Uh, 
took up a sword, whacked off a guy's ear. Um, I don't know if that was flaky or just a bold, ignorant, whatever. Uh, he did it, but Jesus rebuked him at that time. Uh, then later, as we'll pick up in Luke 22 now, uh, we read of the three denials. So starting in verse 54, Luke 22, 54, they seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. And about an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, when he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told, said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and whipped bitterly. bitterly. Oh man, <laughs> can you feel for Peter here? Uh, the embarrassment? Don't raise your hands, but... Many of you, you might say that you've been there like me. Um, it's bad enough that you make bold statements to colleagues and friends about stuff that you will do. But how much worse to Almighty God? Now, I'm sorry to say I've done both, and I have felt the misery of Peter. But we do know that Peter, uh, as, we, as we move on, he was there with the apostles when Jesus made two uh, appearances soon after the resurrection. One, the evening of the resurrection, and then uh, again a week later. Uh, however, what we don't read is that Peter was saying anything during these times when Jesus showed up. Um, I think there's no doubt that Peter was thrilled that Jesus was alive. He actually was the first one to the, to the tomb in the morning and saw that the tomb was empty. He was thrilled about that. But I think he, he was holding back. There was, a new, there was a humility to Peter that he had never experienced before. He's just on these other meetings, sitting quietly, waiting in the corner, still very embarrassed. It was a conversation with Jesus that he was not looking forward to. Well, then we get to John 21, and we read only that this story came after the two previous meetings with the disciples. So we don't know exactly how much time had passed. But I want to read that whole story. So let's go to John 21 and begin at verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, whoops, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Simon, Peter, Thomas, who called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, uh, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his disciples, they were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. 
Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. And they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish lying on it, and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. The second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved when he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you that you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would die and glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So at the beginning of this story, there's, there's this feeling that maybe a lot of time has passed. Again, we don't know exactly. Um, between that week after the resurrection up until this point where uh, he meets the apostles again. Um, and it's, it's almost like they were sitting around uh, waiting, but not knowing what to do. And I get this mental picture in my mind. Go ahead and put this up. Some of you old, old uh, well, I better be quiet, be careful there, I'm an old timer. Uh, you guys remember the Hee Haw show? Yeah, I get this mental picture from the old TV show, Hee Haw, that the old men were just kind of sitting around on the porch, you know, only uh, this time it wasn't wherever Hee Haw was. This is Israel, and they're just kind of sitting by the dock of the bay in Israel, you know. Um, I also got to get the, I, I was thinking about this this morning, uh, how many of you remember the old the TV show Andy Griffith, or, or uh, what was it called? It was called the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah, and uh, so I remember once they're they're after dinner and after church on a Sunday afternoon. They're sitting there, uh, all spread out on the porch, laying down, relaxed. And the visiting preacher had been saying, you know, oh, this is so wonderful. These people are just taking the time to rest in the Lord, and and you know, just like the old days, you know, and we don't have to rush, rush, rush and uh, get busy doing everything, you know, maybe even just listen to a band concert. So the preacher leaves, and they think, a 
band concert. We used to have band concerts. You guys remember this? This is just a classic episode. And so they began running around, you know, trying to put together this band concert, right? You know, the, the bandstand's in all broken condition, and Barney's trying to tell Gomer to go under there and get a board to, to help stabilize the thing, and Gomer's complaining about this. It's spidery under there, you know? I don't want to go under there with those spiders. Finally, Barney's exasperated with them, you know, trying to tell him there's no spiders. Get under there with those spiders and fix this thing. Andy, meanwhile, is trying to get the, the band together. And there's this old guy playing saxophone. He, he's deaf as could be, can't hit a note. So he's, Andy's trying to tell him, you know, you're off, you're off. He's like, yes. <laughs> it just goes on playing. I don't know, just so many memories from that. Anyway, they wind up scrapping the whole idea, and they're back later in the afternoon, all laying on the porch, you know, and preacher comes by again. He says, now, see, look at this. Just what I said. You guys were listening to what I had to say. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. Okay, that was free, not even in my notes, you know, brought to you by MeTV or something. Okay, well, anyway, finally. They're sitting around like this, and Peter says, I'm going fishing, guys. Six others quickly jump up and say, we'll go with you. So this is a lie. Uh, there's, there is some controversy about this. Um, one theory is that the apostles uh, maybe were still expecting Jesus to lead a military coup to overthrow Rome. Um, and actually, if you think about it, they, this would have been the perfect opportunity. You've got a guy who was risen from the dead, now as maybe your leader? <laughs> That's pretty powerful. A uh, couple problems. One, remember the Jewish leaders had paid off the Roman soldiers to tell them that the apostles had stolen the body. Okay, so that story was still out there. But the bigger problem was Jesus himself was nowhere to be found. They didn't know where he was. He certainly wasn't out there proclaiming himself to be uh, the savior of the Jews and to overthrow the Roman government. Where was he? Well, it was a, that was the biggest problem for the disciples. When Jesus uh, was with them, they were getting their physical needs met. Uh, now, maybe they were getting a little hungry. The decision to fish may have been just to feed themselves or to get money for food. Um, most Bible commentators believe that Peter was being his impulsive self, he was tired of just sitting and waiting and knowing, not knowing about the future. He decided just to go back to his old life. Fishing business, that's what he knew best. It was almost as if he was saying, well, those last three and a half years were pretty interesting. It's now time to return to normal. But folks, you know this. Once you've been with, the, been with Jesus, there's no, no returning to normal, is there? Amen. So they end a night of fishing, and they haven't caught anything. There's a guy on the shore sitting there, and he yells to them to put their nets down on the other side of the boat. They do it, and suddenly there's more fish than they can handle. And it clicks in Peter's brain somewhere, and I think maybe some of the other apostles. I've seen this film before. It's Jesus. And Peter puts on his clothes, jumps into the lake, and he swims to the shore. After helping his comrades bring in the nets, they're invited by Jesus to have breakfast. There is Jesus, there is Jesus again, right in front of them. He has a fire, fish, bread. Again, something very familiar to all of this to the disciples. And apparently, 
in all of the excitement, they took time to count the fish. John records that there were 153 fish. Um, you want to spend a few hours and get a few laughs, Google sometime what the meaning of 153 fish is. Uh, many numerologists have been trying to argue about this for years. Um, there's an ancient church writer by the name of Jerome. He believed that the number of fish was, that 153 was the number of known species of fish at the time. Okay, maybe. Um, for you mathematicians out there, the number 153 is the, 100, is the 17th triangular number as illustrated by this graph. Okay. Uh, if you take the numbers 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4, etc., all the way to 17, that equals 153. Aren't you glad you came to church for all this? Uh, yeah, it just blesses your heart, right? <laughs> well, okay, so maybe this will grab you just, uh, just one more. Pythagoras was associated with catches of fish, and he had calculated that 153 is the denominator of the closest known fraction to the square root of 3. And this was also the ratio of a fish shape drawn between two overlapping circles, which are centered on each other's circumference. This shape is therefore known as Visica Pisces, or the Mandorla. And the ratio is called by Pythagoras the measure of the fish. If the two circles represent God and humanity, then the overlap represents Jesus as God incarnate, along with his followers, whose sign becomes the sign of the fish. Okay? And if any of you can understand that, you win the prize for smartest person in the room. Because <laughs> that is way above my head. Okay, anyway, my personal opinion. i got to have an opinion on this, right? Might as well. Everybody else is throwing it out. Um, I, I love reading uh, Luke, uh, either the Gospel of Luke or the Book of Acts. But uh, he had a way of, of always providing details for, in his writings. And so I think maybe John uh, had seen a preview of Luke's script of the gospel and uh, saw how he includes all these things. And so he said, you know what? We got 153 fish. I'm going to include that in my gospel also. It's as good of a theory as any, right? <laughs> anyway, ultimately, I think we can all agree on this. It was an overwhelming blessing from God which is the way God always blesses. Amen? Well, sometime after breakfast, Jesus and Peter finally get some alone time. Here we read that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loves him. Each time, Peter responds that he does love him. Each time, Jesus responds with the command to take care of my sheep. When we were preparing for Poland, we were told that in Polish culture, uh, it's polite to refuse uh, an offer of something two times before you finally accept it. Um, a Polish host will ask you three times, for example, if you want a cup of coffee. And uh, we're, we were told we, we refused twice, and then <laughs> sometimes you can even refuse a third time and they're going to bring you the coffee anyway. But anyway, it's, that's the, the plight is the two refusals before you accept. Um, and you know this is so different than America, where our yes means yes, our no means no. Um, our pastor is a bishop who is, um, uh, this is the, uh, the pastor of what we call our mother church in another city called Gwogoof. Um, he told the story of when he went to seminary in Texas. 
and he, he lands in the airplane and he gets picked up by this man who offers him a bottle of water. Pastor Z did the polite thing. He said, no, no, thank you. But he was dry and thirsty as could be. And uh, man, of course, never offered him the water again. So um, Pastor Z quickly learned that in America, if you want something, say yes the first time. Um, last year, uh, a couple years ago, actually, I, um, I, I learned from one of our Polish colleagues uh, why Polish people offer three times. He said, you know, really, the origin of it is to show that the guest is really, really, really important. And that I really, really, really want to serve you. Light bulb goes on in my head, and I'm sure it would in any Polish person's head. Man, this passage now has a lot more meaning. Why did Jesus go through this routine with Peter three times? Peter was really, really, really important to Jesus. And, of course, it's also interesting that it covered the three denials that he had. So three times Jesus goes through the routine. Three times he was forgiving Peter. Jesus had once stated that Peter was the rock on which he would build his church. In John 21, Jesus is reminding Peter that he is still his choice to shepherd this brand new church. Peter became a powerful preacher. Not only was he a bold evangelist in the streets of, it, of Jerusalem, but he also was a gentle shepherd for the Jerusalem church. Not only that, through the experience at Pentecost and the house of Cornelius, Peter was very influential in bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. The book of 1 Peter was written to a group of believers in what is today called modern, is modern Turkey. Peter calls them strangers in the world, and they were scattered. But we also read that they were specially chosen and loved by God. They were facing great trials and persecutions. In that letter of 1 Peter, Peter's going to try to pour into them the hope and encouragement that Jesus had poured into him. Your past doesn't matter. You have a special calling from God, and all that truly matters is your obedience to that call. Peter had been through these things, and he'd been through them before, and now he was going to tenderly and gracefully lead this special group. Here's what I want you to remember today. God is not finished with you. He doesn't care what you've done in the past. He is big enough to forgive and to love you through those things. Peter thought he had totally blown his chance with God. But Jesus graciously reached out to him and restored him. He never gave up on his plan that he had for Peter's life. God will not give up on the life he has planned for you either. He wants you to know that he really, really, really cares about you. He's extending his invitation to you even now. Come and have breakfast with me, he says. Let's talk. Let me pray for you. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and, and uh, Lord, the power that is there 
And uh, Lord, as, as, uh, as Chris prayed earlier, it is just overwhelming that the creator of the universe, Lord, you are so far above us, and yet you really, really, really care about us. Not as a church. I mean, yes, you care about us as a church, but you care about each one of us individually. And you want to be a part of our lives. You want to have breakfast with us. You want to talk with us. Lord, I pray that if we, if there's anyone here that has wandered away a little bit, maybe feel like Peter, I've, I've said some things that just God cannot forgive me for. Oh, Father, help them to know that that is not true. Holy Spirit, speak into their lives. Draw them back to God because you want them to draw close to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.